There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello, everybody. We're Talkin' Titans, and who are we? I'm Tommy D, sports director at the Tennessean, and you are? Eric Backrack. And you do? I cover the Titans. The Tennessee Titans of the National Football League, and we've got a football game to talk about. Mm-hmm which is always good since the preseason or I don't know if they allow if they internally call those exhibitions but that would actually be glorifying them it would that was not an ex I, I don't know what you would call it I don't know what the a notch down below exhibition would yeah be, but that's it would be a couple notches down yeah but now there was a real game and, and a quite exciting one for the Titans it was I think it shocked the NFL world really shocked it me shocked, didn't shock the Titans it shocked me didn't shock Delaney Walker it certainly didn't shock him. I really do think the Titans put the rest of the NFL on notice, just with not not only winning, but the way they won, how emphatically they won. Uh, you know, I don't. I really don't think the score was necessarily indicative of you know just how dominant the Titans. I, I think it was a little misleading because I think it was a close game for a while, and the Titans had a couple of really big plays. But that's, I mean, that's what these games boil down to are are those types of big plays. So, can you say except the Titans are rolling? Yeah, and some of that goes into the Browns' hype, and boy, right. they, and they did load up their roster, and they've got an exciting young quarterback, and I think they've been be building their defense, which we discussed, and which Tennessee shredded, mm-hmm. but I also think you can put a cautionary note that when an opposing team gets that many penalties, for that many penalty yards, we're not talking about like four offsides, mm-hmm. you know, 20 yards, we're talking about... It was 18 for 180-something. Yeah. It was insane. That, that A, kills them on offense. B, helps you on your offense when they do it. Right. On that side, plus they had a lineman ejected, you know. Right. It, it was it was kind of crazy with just all the flags being thrown around. And, you know, the Titans won this game. They they did, uh, you know. The, That's not, yeah, I'm not saying the result will be different, but, but the margin might have been different. The margin would have been different if they weren't helped along by what was just, you know, a parade of flags the entire game. And some of those were caused by frustration because Tennessee was was dominating yep. them in, in several areas. And, and let's start with the offensive line, which which we all had questions about right. coming out of that uh, cough cough preseason uh, from the four games we saw, where you know they've lost their left tackle Taylor Lewan for four games, three more due to suspension from the NFL for um, failing a, a PD test. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything in the preseason that made me or you think or anyone else think, boy, this is still going to be a really good line. It was it, it, just it was, horrible. It was the opposite, yeah. It was the exact opposite. And you know, not only that, you also had Kevin Pomfield, the starting right guard, out. So you had to plug yeah. in Jameel Douglas. The so weakest you, of the starters. Right, by, exactly. So you had two starters out. You had a, a Pro Bowl left tackle. And then you know the weakest position on that offensive line, you had you know a backup guy going in there, too. So the the bar was set low as far as going against that really strong Browns defensive line and they held up and and you know I think a really big part of it was Arthur Smith's game plan the first year offensive coordinator he got a game ball for Mike Vrabel afterward just for the game that he called and you know he's a guy that has been with the organization on on the Titans staff since 2011 this is his fourth coaching regime he's like a cockroach you can't get him out of that building he just he survived every test that that's kind of been thrown at him and now he's in a position where he's calling plays for the offense for the first time and uh, you know I think one of my big takeaways was just the use of play action which I wrote about I I think the number was 43 percent of passes that Marcus Mario threw were came on play action versus last year where I think that number was 31 percent and we just kind of saw how 
that was an effective way to, to keep the Browns on their toes, you know, give Mariota an extra split second here and there to find an open window. All three of the Titans' really big plays, you know, A.J. Brown had two catches of about 50 yards. Derrick Henry had that long screen pass that went for 75 yards and a touchdown. All of those came off of play action. And I just think the game plan, knowing, you know, that that the Titans were at a disadvantage with their offensive line versus the Browns' defensive line, I, I think it was perfect execution, and I think it was just perfectly designed. Yeah, and the play action part, we, we discussed last week we what what effect Derrick Henry mm-hmm. might have on this offense. And it's huge. The, not only is it that he get, what, 150, 160 yards that, that he produced, the play action is another big part of that because if the defense has to respect him, they're, you're keeping linebackers in, you're keeping safeties up, and they're biting on that play action instead of saying, yeah, right, you know, go, okay. We're just going to ignore the play action, and if you do hand it off, you'll get two two point four yards. Play action doesn't work when that's what's happening. But I, right. here's here's what I saw when, when we discussed Arthur Smith, and and he is new in this role, and I wasn't sure, and we're still not sure. But, but he sure had a very impressive debut mm-hmm. because unlike the other side, his play calling was affected beyond the scripted part at the beginning, mm-hmm. where you can almost always throw something at the other team that they're probably not ready for, and, right. and you know. You'll, you'll see that a lot in football games. Mm-hmm. But what I saw was it took them how many games last year and it took them how many games the year before to decide we got a big bruising running back and we're better when we use him and mm-hmm. we put two tight ends in there and we, we play physical football because last year they wanted to sling it around like the horizontal passing game, the the 1.2 get it out of your hands, you know, a, barely a pass type stuff. Right? They came out with the intent to use Derrick Henry and they didn't get dissuaded from that. And and yeah, one drive shouldn't dissuade you from that, but you could easily see that I could I could see an offensive coordinator or or a coaching staff panicking saying, Oh, well if we're gonna beat this bunch after that drive, it's gonna have to be a shootout. So look forget forget the game plan. Yeah, I th- I think first two drives Henry had like three carries for like negative one yards mm-hmm. and And it's easy to give up on that. Yeah, it's easy to give up on that, you know Things weren't going well for the Titans at that point, but they kept riding Henry, which is what you have to do. You know, anybody you speak to about Derrick Henry is a guy, you'll hear that he's a guy that gets better the more carries he gets. He kind of, you know, I don't know if it has to do with the defense starting to get tired and him exploiting that or what, but he just gets better as the game goes on. And again, you'd like to see him, you know, make the most of those first five carries. But, you know, in the end, he, he finished with a good game had 150 plus yards from scrimmage a lot of that came off of that screen which was perfectly designed there was a lot of moving parts to that play that if you just watch it back the blocking was was excellent you know you got roger saffold who we had you know they created a wall for him all he had to do was catch the ball and run straight the the coolest part about that play actually just watching it back was that dennis kelly actually like he ducked out of the way of mariota's pass he's a tall guy he's a huge dude uh, (laughs) so he really has to get down He's six seven, and he got as low as he could. It went right over him, and it, it just it was that kind of play for the Titans. Everything worked well. Corey Davis had a great block downfield, and that was that was the biggest punch of the game because the, the Browns had, you know, just cut it back close. That score really took the wind out of their sails, and and after that, you know, just being at First Energy Stadium, the ne- the the energy there for for Browns fans never got close to what it was just moments before that. So yeah, I, I mean, I think Derrick Henry is the engine to this offense. If, right. If you get him going. Even just the threat of him uh, is such a big component to what the Titans do. Yeah, and, and, and a couple of things I want to touch on there. Number one is 
is self-awareness and self-scouting. A lot of teams are not self-aware and don't really realize what everybody else realizes about their team. Right. And I think Arthur Smith realized that somewhere in the other booth on the defensive side upstairs, the defensive coaches had a playbook and a scouting report on the Titans that probably had like the largest bold letters ever. Derrick Henry is no has no parole in the passing game. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and 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 so you throw him a screen pass. You bring in Dion for that is what they've been doing for two years, you know. Uh Um, You just never see that ball get to him. I mean, I don't know how he passes these calls, but you can probably count him on one hand a year. Again, we've we've seen him a lot this preseason training camp working on that, but, you know, last season it was all Dion doing doing that kind of, you know, role. And and I happen to have the perspective of covering Derek in in college when he was at Alabama before I came here. And if you go back, the very first time we saw him that you thought, okay, maybe this guy really is a running back because he looks like a linebacker or a defensive end. And there are a lot of, you know, I believe Saban had to be talked into recruiting him as a running back, and that's what he wanted to play. Turned out to be a good decision. Was a, was a very similar screen against Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl that he took 75 or 80 yards. And it was, you know, once he, once he gets that third step, and gets up ahead of steam and there's nothing in front of him you better there were probably guys who could have gotten to him but said i just don't want to taste that stiff arm oh yeah keep going yeah he would have just ragged all them out of the way and i think he got the speed was like 20 i saw something 22 23 miles an hour it was i mean for that's faster than you can do on i-40 coming to work (laughs) it is for a six foot six foot three 247 pounds essentially linebacker lineman as a running back they're just, I mean, how do you stop that? Right. The other thing is, is that you know, Derek can produce those big plays. You have the ninety-nine yard run. A lot of big backs can't do that. Uh-huh. Had the seventy-five yard thing, but really, the key that they got out of him, you're not going to get to two hundred yards a game mm-hmm. rushing. You're, but but late last season, we saw the the big big games rushing. Well, he had one hundred and sixty total yards, but it's the eighty that he ground out. Right. You know, there's not a lot of chunk plays there. That's mm-hmm. just pounding the ball getting five getting five you know that's pretty much what he was doing you know he had the ones and twos and he probably had the sevens and eights and nines right but it's the if they can get 80 something yards of out of him per game just on the ground eventually there's going to be a bigger game in there somewhere Mm -hmm. but they can't really have the 30 yard and 20 yard game yeah no i agree i think they've got to consistently get around what they were getting against the browns and it wasn't you know he didn't he wasn't it wasn't reminiscent of, of one of those December games last year where, you know, he went for 150 yards. He got 84, I believe, was the number. And, and if he could hover around there, I think they're in good shape. And I think, you know, a lot of it, as we were just kind of mentioning, goes back to Arthur Smith and knowing his personnel, knowing what he has. And that's a big part of the reason why he has the job that he has is because he's so familiar with all these players, with, with what they do and what, you know, what opponents expect out of them. And, you know, I think he'll use that, continue to use that to the Titans' advantage. Well, let's touch on a couple more things about that game, and we'll start looking ahead a little bit. But uh-huh. first of all, Marcus Mariota in the passing game. Yeah. You know, I think there was a lot to like, especially in that second half. There was only things to like. He was six for six, three touchdowns, I think 140-something yards. You know, he was – he didn't – you know, there, there weren't any really throws where he kind of like threaded the needle, and I was like, whoa, what a throw. But he was mistake-free, first of all. That's, that's huge. That's something that he's got to keep up. He made – you know, I think the big thing with Marcus the other night was he put his playmakers in position to, you know, flaunt their ability and, and just make the most of it with A.J. Brown, with Delaney Walker, with that Derrick Henry uh, touchdown 
catch that we just talked about. And if he could do that, I think the Titans will be in good shape. Now, I think they, they definitely have to get more out of Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys, the top two guys right. on the receiving depth chart who had a combined one catch for, I think, five yards. They, they need more out of that. But just, you know, the fact that, you know, if you, if you told me that the Titans would score 43 points, win by 30, Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys would combine for one catch, just wouldn't believe you. Uh, but that, I think that's a testament to the fact that, you know, this Titans offense has a lot of weapons and you might not have to rely on any one person per game uh, as far as, you know, it, it, it just you want Corey Davis to have, you know, six, seven catches a game for, for 80 or plus yards. But I, I think Sunday is a testament to the fact that they might not really need that. Derrick Henry is one guy that they need consistent production from every single game. But when you have Delaney Walker, when you have A.J. Brown, who looks like he's the real deal. Wow, where, where did that come from? What a, we, we kept just waiting for him to walk on the field in the preseason, right. and everybody knew he had some potential, and I think most of us thought he's also kind of a little bit of a project. Yeah, I, I think for sure, and especially, you know, you look at the Titans' track record for drafting wide receivers. And yeah, they put him in a refrigerator and say, you know, <laughs> yeah. we'll, 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 put him, we'll put you in the freezer now, and we'll get you out next year and thaw you out and see what you look like. Yeah, and, and usually it doesn't look great. A.J. Brown, right out of the gate, uh, you know, a 100-yard game, I think that 51-yard catch he had that he, I think it was like a 15-yard over-the-middle type Mm-hmm. Uh, catch that he you know it was really all the yards after the catch where the that play really began where he, he stiff-armed some guy that it, it might as well have been me trying to tackle him there just the way he stiff-armed him and then he put on a couple of moves to get past a couple of other defenders that was really really impressive and and if you could have that clearly Delaney Walker is fully back you know you're gonna get production out of Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys if the line holds up as it did and they can continue to use play action effectively, I think this offense you know, has a good shot to be good. Uh, I think it's just a matter of Mariota being consistent and not making big mistakes. Yeah, and, and a couple of things I saw out, out of Mariota. One is is the, the word that is, describes the best Marcus Mariota probably is efficient. Yeah, um, He's not overpowering. He's not going to – I mean, is he capable of 400-yard passing game? Of course he is. Anybody right. in the NFL probably is. We've seen backups do that. Right. But that's not – he's not that – Huge arm. We're we're just going to sling it all over the place. Dan Marino, gunslinger. That's not his mentality. And he was very efficient. And you can't get Corey Davis and Delaney Walker and AJ and and pick your other people that you all want to get six catches when you don't throw that many passes. Twenty four passes. They're not all going to you know have. They're not going to be equally distributed. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and when you have a 75-yard pass, well, that's a touchdown. That means that possession just ended, so you don't get three or four more passes on that possession. Right. So that's a good problem that's to a have. problem, yeah. But I thought he was efficient, and, and I'll tell you what else I thought. And I'm not, I'm not, as you know, been the biggest Marcus Mariota guy. Mm-hmm. For a guy who's been banged up, and I thought we saw a little of this in the preseason, what little we saw of him. What I didn't see was a lot of happy feet. Mm-hmm. He seemed to be willing to make his – he didn't pull it down after one read in yeah, this he, game. He and late last year, am I wrong? There were some – There were some moments. Some I mean, moments yeah, where he just almost like, I'm not going to pass, I'm just going to run. Right. There, there were a couple moments like that. You know, I, I think – and, and that was understandable because he'd been getting beat up so bad. Yeah, he was running for his life out there. Yeah. Um, he was poised, and I think that – you know, that – could be said about the entire team yeah uh, just with you know as many flags as that were thrown i I think that was that was definitely true you know there are times when he's going to have to run because that's part of his skill set and that's part of what he does well but he hung in there when he had to uh you know again knowing that 
the, the line situation in front of him was a mismatch. And he was efficient. I think that's the perfect word for what he was. Yeah, and I think they'll take that. Mm-hmm. No, we haven't talked about the defense, but probably the worst defensive opening drive, I won't say in the history of the NFL, because surely <laughs> somebody scored on an 80-yard touchdown pass on the first play. Mm-hmm. But they were giving up pretty much one first down per play on that drive. I mean, they got carved up, and it did not look good. And then after that mm-hmm. – Flipped a switch and yeah. they kind of you know settled in. I agree. I, I thought after that first drive, you said the over under would have been ninety. Yeah, and that, the and that was yeah. and that wasn't with counting on the Titans scoring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of it was atmosphere. I think a lot of it was the hype, and you know, I think that that had an effect early on. And then once kind of you know the veterans had their say, and and we obviously saw what Cameron Wake did two and a half sacks. And the remarkable thing about that is that he played probably. 30 to 40% of the snaps, it really wasn't a whole lot. Right. Another guy that was super efficient with his playing time. You know, I think this defense is really, really good. I, I, I think if the pass rush holds up as it did, I think they're very clearly in the top five discussion as far as defenses uh, around the league. You know, last year they had a top three defense as far as holding opponents to points scored. And, you know, I think it carried over into this season. I I think the secondary is still the, the strongest unit on this team. You know, if you don't count like Brett Kerner or something like that, we saw it. You know, with three interceptions. I don't count him at all. <laughs> that that's another part of this team that you have to be super encouraged about. By the way, it was just Cairo Santos his debut. Brett Kerner, mm-hmm. yeah, booming seventy yard punts. Right. Um, I do. I do count him as being the best. What I said last week, yeah, he's the best he's, punter in the game. Yeah, I think uh, most of us feel that way. Uh, Carlos Santos did what you what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he can be counted on week after week and pressure kicks. But right. I mean, he's an NFL kicker. There's no doubt about that. Mm. But you'd probably feel better with the other guy. You probably would. But you know, as as we get into the Colts conversation, Adam and Terry had a pretty miserable week one. But we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But you know, as far as the defense goes, I still think the pass rush is the key to this. And there was a pass rush. It wasn't was. just the the few sacks. It was right. it was it was disruption. I mean, it was causing havoc. Ba- it was, Baker got very flustered, right? Which is he's a flusterable guy, right? I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. <laughs> He's susceptible to all of that. Yeah, he gets caught up in all the drama. When he starts yelling at referees and stuff, you know, that's a you know, I'm a pro wrestling fan. Right. That's like when the when the other guy in the wrestling ring starts yelling at the referee and you sneak up behind him and attack him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've already got him off his game. Yeah, and and he clearly got frustrated and. And I think when his team sees him get frustrated, then they get frustrated. You know, yeah. they, they follow the leader. I think he's a guy that um, gets gets too high and too low you know before the game they had uh in the air tonight by, mm-hmm. by phil collins playing yeah baker comes out does the the drum solo i mean he's, he's just like so pumped up and you know i just i couldn't like my mind went to like would Mariota ever do that no he would just be poised composed you know focused on the task at hand not really giving into all the hype around him and i think the browns did that to a big extent and if they're going to live and die with the, with his emotions, that's not going to be good. It's He's going, you know. Yeah, it's hard to rely on that. But if if the Titans can continue to rush the passer as they did, cause that disruption, their secondary is great. I'll tell you the other thing is Nick Chubb didn't really get anything going, and and, and, like, and that's part of their offense. If you have to worry about their play action because Nick Chubb's getting chunks, you know, then that changes everything. He had seventy four yards, but it was a very quiet seventy four. Right, and there yards. was some garbage time in there too, if right. I'm not mistaken. And, they, and you know, the big thing is he wasn't ripping off big chunks at a time. Just a really sound overall performance by the defense. And and you know, to me it's it's a sign of things to come, you know, so long as they can continue to to uh keep the pressure on the quarterback. Okay, so what is to come? We got the Colts coming in, and um, not Andrew Luck. Right. 
So will the Colts, a, Colts be chance. blank out of luck in this game? Or you know, first of all, I think the fact that you know luck isn't playing obviously changes the tone drastically. If you're a Titans fan, because the guy was 11 and 0 uh, against the Titans all the time, but now you don't. And there's a reason him. for that. I mean, he right. can stretch the field vertically, horizontally. He can throw the long out. Right. I mean, you know, we saw it in the, the game near the end of the season last year. Was it the very end, week 17? Yeah. Where, where you really felt like. I mean, despite the fact Tennessee had a backup quarterback, I'm not sure it would have mattered. Mm-hmm. It, they, they, that really good defense just looked overmatched by him because yeah, he could, he could do what you're, you're, you're covering the guy, you're within a step of him, mm-hmm. and he's got a, a bad angle he has to throw over you, and he does that, and then yeah. you say, well, what can I do? There's not a whole lot. He's a quarterback that can, you know, dictate the game by himself, and I, I you know, don't think Jacoby Brissett is that at all. You know, he looked he looked pretty okay against the Chargers last week. I think the bigger threat there is Marlon Mack, who was full grown much, man there. Yeah, it was unstoppable against the Chargers. I watched most of that game. Just watched it back, and he was ripping off. I think he finished with seven yards a carry. You know, ripping off ten yards at a time. Had like 174 rushing yards and a touchdown. So he's he's a very legitimate problem. But again, if if they could you know, stop the run as they did against Nick Chubb, who's, you know, a pretty good running back himself, I think they'll be in good shape. Yeah, that's where we're going to see them test, and I'll see what, what I saw of the Colts, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I was obviously not watching that game every play, but they got down early, mm-hmm. and they didn't give up on their game plan. Yeah. They, they said, we're going to keep feeding this running back. Too many teams panic because you get down two touchdowns. Right. If you're down yeah, two throw. touchdowns with two and a half minutes left, by all means, sure. air oh, it out. Yeah. You're down two touchdowns in the first quarter, and you go three and out just trying to get it all back real quick, mm-hmm. you're pretty quickly down. Now your defense is back out there. The defense that isn't stopping them. Right. I still use your running game. Yeah. You know, matriculate the ball down the field. Let their defense get tired. Even if you get a field goal and it's 14 to three, you've at least let your defense rest. You've got time to reset. And, and you've established you can do some things. And too many teams just come out and it's they panic. I don't understand if, if – <laughs> there's way too many NFL games where teams have overcome two two touchdown deficits in the first quarter <laughs> and one right. that you should ever I mean you you play that like it's zero to zero. Yeah, yeah. Like you sure. tell the players to play it. Uh-huh. And I think the Colts deserve a ton of credit for that. And and they did. They stuck to their guns. They did. They were down at least two I can't remember exactly. I think it was two. two I think it might have been three time. scores. At one point, not, yeah. not without not twenty one, but I think there may have been a seventeen. Yeah, at one point. and they stuck to the game plan, kept riding Mac, forced overtime against a, a Chargers team that you know a lot of people have as Super Bowl contenders. Veteran quarterback that we will see later. We will, and and they played them really tough. And I think you know I don't think anything about that was a fluke. I think the Colts are still a really good team, even without you know one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and, and that changes things, but. You know, that, that was one other thing we saw with the Colts as good as Andrew Luck is last year when they came to Nissan was they were very balanced. Yeah, balanced. They did not just say, we got a good quarterback, rip it 45 times mm-hmm. and hope something good happens. Right, that's that's what made them scary was that they finally have an offensive line that you know is capable of protecting a quarterback. For, for Luck, it was a little bit too late because you know by the time the season rolls around, he had been banged up way right. too many times. But now they do have a, a steady offensive line in place. Defense is solid. You know, I think it's going to be a tough game. I, you know, to me, it's it's one where we'll get to our picks. At, you know, in a second here, but 
you know, I think it's going to be really tough, tough for the Titans to sort of run away with this as they did against the Browns. I think the Colts are going to really test them here, and it's going to be a really good test to me and sort of a good litmus test for affirming or not affirming what we saw against the Browns. Okay, outside the lines at Nissan Stadium, coming off a really impressive road win, mm-hmm. home opener. What, what, what do you expect crowd-wise? What, what do you expect atmosphere-wise? I think it's going to be one of the best atmospheres we'll see all season. You know, number one, it's the Colts. Number two, you're retiring a couple of legends, jersey yes, numbers. absolutely. I think, I think that's going to be, you know, those two guys are, are beloved here. They're, they're, they're gods, they're heroes, Eddie George and Steve McNair. I think that's going to be, you know, a really, really hot ticket. You're going to want to be in the building for that one. So You're um, going to re- want to read Tennessee and, and Tennessean.com because yeah, we, we, as a staff, have picked the top 20 Titans of, of all time in the Titans history mm-hmm. as opposed to the Titans slash Oilers history. Right. And, uh, and those are, spoiler, those are two names that will make the list. They will make the list. There's a reason they're retiring their jersey. <laughs> as well, a couple of uh, current Titans. Exactly. But we won't, we won't spoil it anymore than yeah. that. Um, so I think it's going to be a really fun atmosphere. Eddie George's wife is singing the national anthem. Fans will get like uh, a flag commemorating the two. There's just going to be a lot of. I'm excited to go there because because you know when I came in last December, there wasn't a lot of excitement around the team. Then they picked up some momentum, and you could kind of see it build. Right, but it was skeptical excitement, like mm-hmm. yeah, maybe a little too late. Yeah, um, you know, they almost made the playoffs. But but this this I'm. Ex- I'm excited to see Nashville turn out for this because I think this is going to be like, wow, this will be a really fun, yeah. you know, this is one I think you want to get to early and mill around the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I guess they tailgate with hot chicken here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. You know, yeah. I, we need to, we need to do an investigation yeah. into that, mm-hmm. put our reporting skills to it. But I, I really think it's going to be a fun game to be at. I do too. I and, and, the, and the Colts are a rival now because mm-hmm. of what, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot at stake of, okay, that guy's gone, but can they beat him? Right. No, I, I think like even uh, McNair and George aside, this would have been a really fun to ge- game to be at. I, I think the Titans couldn't have helped themselves more as far as, building themselves up for for the home opener last week than they did against the Browns. So I think it's going to be just a game you want to be at. Okay, so so how do we see it going? It's, uh, it's time to pick the game and pick the score. Okay, let me just make sure, because I wrote this down. I, I think I had 27-26 Titans. I think the Colts cover the spread, which is, I believe, only three. That's correct, But I th- which I th- basically means the odds makers saying this is pretty much a, a coin flip if it's yeah. on – neutral field not that you play on a neutral field right. in the nfl unless you go to england mexico or the super bowl yeah because they, they're giving them three points for for home field so i yeah i have titans 27 colts 26 i think it's going to be tough i think it's going to be a grinder i think special teams could be a really big factor with cairo santos brett kern pinning them back field position football is the best football yep i think that's going to be a, a big part of this game and i think the titans find a way on the night that they retire eddie george and c bignair's numbers Okay. Well, it's not the night, but the afternoon. Okay, because I, I want to make sure I show up at the right time. Yeah, although, and I want to more make sure that you show up at the right time. Because true. If you show up at night, well, we got problems. We do. Uh, I don't want to jinx anything, <laughs> but there was a game last year that began as an afternoon game and turned into Sunday night oh, football. Gosh. So, yeah. okay. Well, we're going to forget about all that. But I am yep. picking the Titans to win and cover twenty-one fourteen. Pretty much just this is this is big boy football. Mm-hmm. This is you know. This is this is going to be 
physical. Mm-hmm. I think I think the Colts are a physical team. I, th- I think no, the Titans can be a physical team, mm-hmm. and they seem to be determined not only on the defensive side but now on the offensive side to use that. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see two running backs going at it. Whichever quarterback makes a couple more plays probably wins it. Whoever turns it over loses it. Mm-hmm. And I think with the field position. With Mariota having the edge, not often as you can say the Titans have the edge in the series with the Colts lately. Mm-hmm. I think the, I think the Titans do, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's the difference. So I'm calling twenty-one-seven Titans. I like it. I think I think that you know the defense is capable of of that kind of performance. To me, it's just funny because and that's what I'm counting on a lot. Yeah, you know, I remember looking at the schedule early and and just thinking that you know I was going to be predicting games and. There would just be no way, even on the night that they retire McNair or the afternoon that they retire McNair and George's numbers. I like there. There's no way you can pick Andrew. Titans Andrew Lux here. I'm not picking the Titans. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I, they can't beat him if they, until they proved they could beat him. They can't beat him. They, they could have won 90 to 13 last right. week, and you still can't pick the Titans to beat Andrew Luck until they finally until beat next him. year when he comes back. But we'll talk about that then. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he will. Yeah, but but he we'll won't see. be. At Nissan Stadium, if he is at Nissan Stadium on Sunday, we will write. He will. He well. He won't be wearing a helmet and shoulder pads and walking onto that field. Mm-hmm. He's not walking through that door. He's not. Or, or stadium gate, as the case may be. So we both expect the Titans to win, maybe a little more. We'll see how it plays out, and uh, that is it for this edition of talking titans i hope you'll take time to uh subscribe to this and download it from your favorite uh, place where you get your podcast itunes or anywhere else and i hope you'll consider subscribing to the tennessee and tennessean.com and follow all of our titans coverage talking titans hosts each thursday at tennessean.com you can also subscribe to talking titans for free on apple podcasts and google play i'm sean king talking titans is a production of the tennessean 